Hello. Happy Monday, everybody. I am blown away. (laughs) Blown away would be an understatement, actually. Blown away would then signify that I am like somewhere on this planet. I am above. I am in orbit. I am another planet entirely. I think there's a planet called Aphrodite. Maybe there's a galaxy called Aphrodite. I'll take it. I'll run with it. I'm comfortable with it. (laughs) And the reason I say that is the response to the first episode. (laughs) Y'all, what the heck? I can't say that I didn't expect to get some like, good job, friend. Um, But I did not expect to get what I got. (laughs) I didn't expect to be like reading through text messages and looking at emails and comments and just Facebook messages. Just it, It just didn't stop. And I'm not saying that I am not grateful for that. Actually, this is me saying that I'm incredibly grateful for that. But I'm just blown away. <laughs> um, so I wanted to say a huge thank you. Thank you for taking the 20 minutes of your day, time, evening, whatever it was for you to listen. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for your vulnerability. So many people sent me such vulnerable messages that I sat here and was like, I feel so trusted. <laughs> And I feel uncomfortable in being trusted with this, but I also love it. Um, So thank you. Thank you, guys. I am, it is beyond words that I can actually say to say thank you. Um, So I'll just repetitively say this and then hopes eventually that it catches on. But (laughs) I, I just, I'm going to start crying. I am so grateful for everybody who listened for everybody who said they were excited, for everybody who said, hey, I would love to be on an episode sometime when you're talking about something, you know, I would love to hear more. I mean, I've followed, I've subscribed, I've, you know, done the things. I followed you on Instagram. I just, thank you. Um, With that being said, I do want to do a brief update. So there has been a few updates. This podcast is now on Apple Podcasts. It's available on Stitcher, Anchor, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So if you're ever wanting to share with a friend, it is available on many different platforms, uh, eventually, hopefully, to be on Amazon Podcasts as well. But if you are looking for information as to where you can find this, how you can share it with others, that is where you're going to find it. Don't ever feel obligated to share. Um, I am very just very grateful that many people have. Uh, without, with, with that being said, I have also created an Instagram. So it's aging.ungracefully.podcast. It, I, you can follow me on Instagram. You can share my Instagram. I'll be posting every time that there's a new episode up so that people get that little reminder. Um, and it's actually a, an Instagram that I started to review books on and just realized that like, reviewing books is tedious. <laughs> I love books. I'm going to continue to read. You guys might hear about books that I'm reading and the excitement I have behind them. But sitting down and typing out paragraphs about books was just feeling a little monotonous and a little bit time consuming and not something I was feeling overtly passionate about. Um, so I have transformed that Instagram um, into a Instagram specifically for this podcast. So you can go follow, you can share it. You don't have to do any of those things. Um, I just wanted to let anybody know that. And with that, we're going to launch into this week's episode. And this week's episode is going to be about (laughs) a very uncomfortable yet very well-known topic for so many people, and that is grief. You heard me right, folks. We're going to talk about grief. 
And if you heard the word grief and your body just immediately clenched and you felt that tension rise and you felt that discomfort and you were like, nope, good, I'm cool, I want to turn this off, you're more than welcome to. But I do hope that you do stay and listen. The reason why I want to say the first thing that I, I'm going to say to everybody, and I'll probably say this every podcast where we talk about a heavier subject, is don't ever force yourself to do something that pushes your emotional boundaries. If you are not ready to talk about grief, hear about grief, even entertain the idea of the word grief, you shouldn't have to. And more than anything, this whole podcast is going to be about you, the listener. It's going to be about giving yourself the space and the time that you need to process things. And it's going to be about the stories of what that looked like for you and what that adventure was like for you. It's also going to be other people's stories about what those adventures were like for them. And it's not always going to be processing. It's not always going to be dramatic and and uncomfortable words. Um, It's going to be all sorts of things. But I want to say honor yourself, honor your feelings, honor everything that comes up for you. And never listen if you don't feel like you have the capacity to listen. And with that being said, let's talk about grief. What is grief? Now, I could pull up a dictionary page and actually read you out the definition of grief, but I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I don't want to. I want to know what grief means to you. What does grief mean to you? When I say that word, what comes up in you? Because grief is so many different things. And a lot of the times we just take it and we put it in the death category and we say grief is what happens when somebody dies. The end. Yes, grief happens when people die and people die every day. But grief is not solely and only correlated to death. Grief is a part of the human experience. Grief can be the ending of a friendship. It can be the ending of your college degree. It can be the ending of someone's life. It could be the ending of a relationship. It could be, I probably said that already actually, <laughs> but it, it's, it's not, and it's not even just simultaneous with an ending. Grief can also come out of complete joy. It doesn't have to just be an ending. So why do I want to talk about grief with you today? Well, as somebody who's experienced a significant amount of grief in their life, I think it's something that we need to normalize talking about. I think we need to start normalizing that nobody should be alone in their grief unless that's what serves and suits them best, unless that is the safety in which they find. But ultimately, we should be able to grieve together. So... Three years ago, I lost my grandmother. Her name was Pauline, and she was, I would say, a spitfire of a woman. (laughs) I would say that my grandma was brave beyond measure, strong beyond words, funny without trying to be, and just all around an amazing person. And that's not to say that we don't acknowledge that she was still a human and made mistakes and hurt people's feelings and hurt her own feelings and, you know, had a very human life. But it is to say that she had so much of a life that impacted so many that like she was just this incredible woman 
that I just feel honored to have been her granddaughter. And it wasn't until she died that I really witnessed what grief could feel like and the difference between death and grief. So my grandmother, she pretty much raised me. I spent every summer with my grandmother from I think the age of eight to like about age of 16 and then kind of sporadically in between. And she was such a mother figure to me outside of my own mother. She taught me how to scale a fish. She taught me how to, okay, first off, I just need to like touch on this quickly. My grandmother could scale, like decapitate and scale a fish in less than five minutes. Like this woman was a machine and it was incredible, (laughs) but she taught me how to like decapitate, decapitate a fish, scale a fish. She taught me how to clean a deer. I will never forget the time when I was like seven years old. And I think my dad or my uncle shot a moose in the field. And my grandmother was like, I will take care of that. And she just, cause we couldn't move the moose. It was too big. So she just walked down the field with like a hunting knife and just went to town cutting pelts. And I'm sorry if you're vegan or if you're like animals, so sorry. But you know, for us, like it's a, it's a, it's a traditional thing. It's a cultural thing. It's, it's a, family thing. It's a food thing. But I just remember like walking out this little like five foot nothing woman and just like going to town on this moose and like just seeing the power in that little body. And and I say that because that paints you a picture of who this woman was. You know, she could clean a fish. She could, you know, she could skin a moose. She loved beyond words. My grandmother ran a daycare center in Muscochise, Alberta for, I believe, 25 or 30 years. I would have to ask somebody. But she raised multiple generations of children. And she loved every single one of them, even if she didn't like them. And what I loved about my grandmother is that that was her heart. That was who she was at her core. Even if she wasn't your biggest fan, she still loved you. She, she still showed up for you and she was still a person who would be there for you no matter what. There was never a time in my life where I knew, like where I ever thought like I can't call my grandma. I could always call my grandma. I could tell her anything and she would always be there and I'm getting emotional. <laughs> um, but I say that because her death felt like no other death I'd ever experienced in my life. My grandmother had Alzheimer's and dementia, and the last few years of her life were really hard. Um, Hard on her, obviously, and really hard on our family. Because as she forgot us more, and as she had more non-lucid moments, the harder it became for us to take care of her. Um, It's really scary for somebody with Alzheimer's and dementia to forget who you are just as scary as it is for you, for them to forget who you are. And so like going through that was really hard on everybody. And towards the end, the last few months before my grandma passed away, I had gone to visit her. And when I went by myself, she, I remember walking up to her in the hallway at the the um, nursing facility. We'd had to put her in a facility because the Alzheimer's and dementia got so bad. And I remember walking up to her and I'm like, hey, grandma. And uh, she was, she looked at me all like, who the hell are you? (laughs) And I realized in that moment, she didn't know who I was. And as much as in that second, it was like, oh, right in the heart. I then said, oh, hi, Pauline. What are you doing? She goes, oh, I'm just waiting, waiting for my granddaughter to get here. And I said, oh, 
And she said, yeah, my granddaughter's coming to visit me. And they said, oh, what's your granddaughter's name? And she said, her name's Afra. I said, oh, what does she do? Where's she from? And she goes, oh, she's, she lives in Vancouver, but she's home for a while. So she's going to come see me. And I said, oh, that's, that's really great. That's awesome. Well, how do you, how do you feel about that? Oh, I'm just really excited. I'm so proud of her. That's really cool. Well, Pauline, am I able to take you for coffee while you wait for your granddaughter? Oh, well, I, I don't want to miss her. Okay. That's, that's great. Um, how about I take you for a coffee with me and then, you know, we'll make sure that she's here when you get back. And she's like, okay. And then my grandmother had a lucid moment while we went for a drive to get coffee. And she realized who she was with and what we were doing. And almost as soon as it came on, it was gone. And I remember sitting with her that afternoon and talking to her as if she was a brand new person I'd met. Not that she was my grandmother, but that she was just this human sitting in front of me. And we had this incredibly wonderful conversation about her kids and her grandkids and her life and her love and all of the things in between. And I remember leaving that day and knowing that was going to be one of the last memories I was going to form with my grandmother that was going to leave the impact of her story on me. A few months later, um, we were told that she most likely wasn't going to be alive for very much longer and to prepare ourselves. And almost as soon as it came on, it was over. And we spent a few weeks in hospital taking care of her and loving her and helping her and um, bathing her and feeding her and, you know, preparing for end-of-life care and, and, and in end-of-life care. And I just remember feeling so helpless. I actually avoided going to the hospital for a while because I was just uncomfortable. I was afraid to see her not coherent. I was afraid to see her in those end of life stages. I was afraid that the memory that was going to be left behind was not going to be of my grandmother, but like of this shell. And I was scared of that. So I avoided going for a while. Then my dad said to me, my girl, I think if you don't go, you're going to regret it more than if you do. And he was right. He was absolutely right. So I went and I spent the last week of her life by her bed. And when she passed away, which was the first day I'd been away from her in the night or in the overnight in a few days, it was incredibly hard. And then there was relief too, because when you see somebody you love suffering, there's relief in knowing that they're no longer suffering. But um, that set off the emotion and the moment of knowing what grief could really feel like because there was this overwhelming sense of completion. I was lucky to have had this incredible woman in my life. I was lucky to have been her granddaughter. I was lucky to have learned from her what I did. And because of history in itself, I was even lucky that she even had made it to the point where she could have a family, to the point where she had kids and those kids had kids. You know, my grandmother was a residential school survivor. So there was a lot of things that I know now that I didn't know then, that I didn't even know when she passed away, um, that I'm so grateful for, that she was around for what she was around for and that I got to experience what I experienced with her. But the beginning of the cycle of grief, losing my grandmother, was 
hard. I remember the wake and the funeral and just being on autopilot. I remember being outside of my body, just disassociating, present when I had to be and on another planet when I didn't have to be. And after we interned her, there was like this moment of like, what now? And I just want to drop this little side story because I think it's really funny and I think it's important because we're getting, we are getting a little bit heavier here. (laughs) My grandmother was a funny woman. Okay. She wasn't consciously funny. Like she would just say stuff and you're like, damn grandma, where did that come from? (laughs) Um, And she wasn't afraid to speak her mind. Uh, And if you've met me, I would like to say that that is one of the one things that she has given me in this life is the ability to speak my mind. (laughs) And, uh, and she wasn't afraid to speak her mind. And she was always willing to just drop these little like bombs that would make you die of laughter. And the day we interned my grandmother, they had had a cross made for her and we're standing around the grave and we're crying and everybody's sad and it's really a tough situation and there's so many of us there who are just heartbroken and then we realize the date on her cross is wrong they put the wrong birthday on and it was just like this moment of laughter that erupted it was this moment of like don't take yourself so seriously because she wouldn't have taken it so seriously you know there was just this like this this feeling of like you know one last laugh unhurt for her. And I still think about that now. And I'm like, she did it on purpose. She did it on purpose because she wanted to go out with a bang. And she did. Um, Back to talking about grief. The process of grief was insurmountable. The first few days were like autopilot. The first few months were like just getting up and doing the motions wasn't even about like taking care of yourself or loving yourself or doing anything for yourself. It was like, I got out of bed today. High five self. I put on pants today. Congratulations. You know, I managed to wear a bra outside of my house. I deserve a gold fucking medal. Like that was the first few weeks and months of grief of of losing somebody who was like a mother, of losing somebody who took care of you and raised you and loved you and believed in you and nurtured you and told you to chase your dreams no matter what. And it was empty. And it hurt every day. And there was just this dull ache that existed. And then came the moments of witnessing, you know, creator's power, divine's power, universe's power, God's power, whatever you believe in, whatever you want to subscribe to. But witnessing the impact that she left, witnessing the impact she made and the legacy she left. So in the last few years of my grandmother's life, um, living at home, she had started to pilfer and collect uh, tissue boxes and anything with flowers on it My grandmother was an avid gardener. And so we were almost certain that this probably had something to do with the fact that, you know, she could remember that she was a gardener and that she wanted to hold on to things and that she loved flowers because they were pretty. And we just assumed that that was what it was. And when um, she died, we had to clean out her home eventually. And when we were cleaning out her home... (laughs) 
there was a jewelry box. And when we were like dividing and saying who gets what and who's going to take home what, the only thing I wanted was this jewelry box. And the only reason I wanted it was because my grandfather gave it to my grandmother on their 25th wedding anniversary. So it was inscribed. And I wanted that because I wanted something from both of them that I could actually functionally use. Um, And that felt like connection to them still. And the day that we were cleaning out this jewelry box, I opened it and I shook it out and I shook all the jewelry out because I didn't care about what was in it. I didn't want anything that was in it. I just wanted the box and I just wanted it because her and I had talked about me taking it at one point as well. So like that was all I wanted. So I shook out all the jewelry, pulled out all the drawers, shook the thing, like literally physically shook it. I took it home. Three months after my grandma dies, I wake up one morning and I can barely get out of bed. And I am just feeling gutted. But I have to go to work. And I have to get on with my life because the world did not stop spinning because my world stopped spinning. So I went over, like got showered, whatever, and I'm crying, like crying my freshly makeup face right off, really struggling to do the motions. And I go to this jewelry box to get a necklace. And I open the jewelry box and out falls this green daisy napkin. And it just felt like magic. It felt like that was her. And even regardless of what you believe in, it was just this thing that just didn't logically make sense. Like, how was it that I had literally shook this jewelry box out, cleaned it out, cleared it out, put all of my jewelry in it, been using it for three months. And now this napkin falls out of the abyss. Like, not only that, like, what kind of squirrel was she that she hid it so well? <laughs> like, I just, it, it still to this day baffles me. But this napkin fell down and I just started bawling even harder. I like cried my eyes out. And then I finished getting ready and I got in my car and I was driving to work and I was listening to the radio and this song came on and it was a song that I listened to with her. And I just got emotional again. And as I was driving, I saw the sunrise and there was just this moment of clarity where I went, good morning, grandma. See you. I hear you. Thank you. And that was it. And I went about my day. And then days after that point seemed to get easier. Days after that point seemed to be a little bit more worth living and a little bit less like suffering. And I started to realize that I had segregated myself in this pit of despair and there was nothing wrong with that. That's something I really want to highlight. There is nothing wrong with grieving how you need to grieve. There is absolutely nothing wrong if you want to crawl into a hole and cry or if you want to hike a mountain and prove to yourself that you can do it. There is no wrong way or right way to grieve. Well, the only wrong way is probably illegal and and maybe don't do the illegal stuff, but I'm just saying like there is really no wrong way to grieve. We all have a process. And my process was I need to be really sad for a really long amount of time that felt insufferable and then be reminded of the beauty of the legacy that this woman left and the way that she touched me and the fact that she was such a squirrel and could like hide things and, and, and would, but had left little reminders everywhere for us. And that's when the process of starting to come back into community started. Um, 
in that process, I started to realize who my people were, who I could talk to, who I could lean on, who I could rely on, who was a friend, who wasn't a friend. I started to look for into like, I started to look into my friendships of like, who lit me up, who made me laugh, who did I enjoy being around? And that really started to help me process what had happened and who I'd become because grief will change you. Real grief, real heartbreak, it will change you. Fundamentally, it has to. That's, that's part of the human experience. It has to change you. And it's not fun. It is not a ride like, you know, it's, it's not like a fun ride that you get on and you're like, this was great. I would love to ride this ride again. Nobody wants to ride the grief log ride, okay? Nobody wants to splash, go down like splash grief mountain and get covered in tears and sadness. Like nobody's asking for that. <laughs> and nobody's sitting there being like, I subscribe to all of this pain. Thank you. Take my money subscription service, $12.99 a month, all you can eat sadness. Like nobody's asking for that but it's part of the human experience. And so when we go through it, it's so important to like honor your feelings and honor your emotions and listen to what you need. Because I had friends who were like, girl, you got to get out. You got to brush your hair. You got to do stuff that makes you laugh again. And I'm sitting there like, bitch, I don't have to wear a bra if I don't want to. But I'm also like sitting there like, don't tell me what to do because you don't know what I'm feeling. You don't know what this experience is like. You don't know what this feels like. And when I say that, I say that because sometimes trying to help somebody who is grieving or hurting looks simply like showing up and listening. Doesn't look like giving advice. Doesn't look like trying to cheerlead them back into the living world. It looks like holding the space for them to show up exactly as they are in that moment. And that for me was what I needed in my grief cycle. And I'm very lucky to have had the people who held that space for me to do that and to be where I was and to cry and to experience. And so why I also say that grief is not simultaneously related to death or not it's specifically correlating to death is because I have gone through this same cycle with breakups. I had a really good friend. They were my probably my best friend for a really long time. And during the pandemic, I realized that we were just ethically not aligned. We didn't have the same morals and we didn't have the same ethics. And we also did not agree on a whole heck of a lot, if anything. And so I had to turn in and go, well, what, what are we, what are we both getting out of this relationship? Are, are they getting joy and happiness? Because I'm not getting joy and happiness. Am I like supporting them and loving them regardless of their choices and beliefs? Kind of yes, kind of no. Am I able to show up for them and be their friend and hold space for them? Kind of no. Is it a disservice to them to be holding this space in their life when they could be putting in and plugging in people who do hold the space for them in their life. Yeah, it is kind of a disservice to them. And then asking myself those same, same questions. Is it a disservice to me to not have a friend who wants to show up and be supportive? Is it a disservice to me to not have my boundaries like listened to and heard? 
you know, how is this impacting me? And when I realized that like this relationship was not conducive to either of us, I had to end that relationship. And it fucking sucked. (laughs) Breaking up with a friend sucks, especially a friend you've had forever. It's like ending a romantic relationship. You go through these stages of like back and forth. Like, did I do the right thing? Did I do the wrong thing? Who did I hurt? Am I selfish? This feels like I'm selfish. Like there's so much that goes through your mind. And it's the same with like when you've lost a loved one. This is like, am I selfish for feeling this way? Everybody else is around me is trying to make me feel like this or they're trying to tell me to feel like that. Or I see everybody else around me doing this and should I be doing that? When like realistically for yourself, it's again, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Grief is a cycle. Grief is not just a beginning, not just an ending. It's honestly both. And when I say that, you know, it can be a friendship, it can be a loss of a person, a loved one, it can be the losing of a job. You know, had a job for like, I've had a job for six years. If I lost my job tomorrow and didn't get to work with the people I work with, I'd probably be really fucking sad about it. You know, like there's so much, it's it's an ending and it's a beginning. And that's kind of freaking beautiful when you think about it. So my point in this is, is that grieve how you feel like you have to. There's no right or wrong way. And the reason I wanted to talk about it was not just to talk about death or or sadness or anything like that. It's because if you started off 2022 feeling like a million bucks, I promise you, you were the only fucking one, my dude. <laughs> you were the only one. I don't know very many people in 2022 who woke up and were like, this is going to be a great year um, not to be sideswiped by reality. Uh, and I, I say that because I want to acknowledge that it is really what we make of it a lot of the time, but also because a lot of us are experiencing pandemic fatigue. We're experiencing, you know, loss of self because we've been shut inside or or have had to change our entire social dynamic or social calendars or wellness calendars or health calendars. You know, I know people who've gotten sick and they've had to change everything about their life um, to accommodate being sick or ha- having gotten sick and having long COVID. You know, there's people who haven't gotten sick who are like, you know, processing and grieving the people that they've lost or the things that have happened. And it's not just loss, like people who passed away during COVID, it's loss of people in their lives, realizing again, what I was speaking of before, friendships ending, you know, things coming to an end, coming to a closure. The last two years for everyone has been this huge grief cycle and we just can't fucking crawl out of it. You know, it seems like every single time we take one step ahead, we're like, yes, a vaccine. Yes, booster shots. It's like, no, here comes Omicron, sup, bitches. Like, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like every single time that we feel like we're we're emerging from the, you know, cocoon that is this pandemic, somebody squishes our butterfly and we're back to primordial fucking goo. And it sucks and it's hard. And I want to acknowledge all of you who are sitting there at home being like, this is fucking hard, man. This does suck. 2022 started out like a shit show or it started out like a train wreck. I want to say that we experience pain to also understand joy. We experience heartbreak and grief because that is part of the human experience but grief can be directly correlated with joy. Think about the last two years of your life. Think about what the pandemic has brought and what has taken away. 
Now think about the moments that you got back in this pandemic. Think about the first time you were able to hug your friends again. Think about the first trip you were able to take. Think about the joy of seeing your grandparents for the first time in months. Think about the experience of getting to know yourself. Think about the experience of not having to be fucking productive. And I just want to say this. You did not have to be productive in the pandemic. If you needed to sit on the couch and binge watch Netflix, you need to sit on the couch and binge watch Netflix. Honor yourself. That's it. Don't let anybody tell you any differently. Honor yourself. Honor what your body tells you it needs. Honor what your emotions need. Honor yourself. It's that simple. It's easy to say, knowing that's hard to do. But in saying all of this, There has been huge joy in the last two years too. So when I say that there is a grief cycle and there is an actual diagram and there's an incredible um, death doula named Sarah Kerr, who I believe on her website, uh, Something Awakenings, I would have to get it for sure, but she shows you the diagram to a grief cycle. And we have been slowly going through this grief cycle for two years and we hit re-entering community over the summer And then we rolled backwards to the beginning of the grief cycle. And so right now, a lot of us are trying to process everything that's happened and we're trying to make that roundabout circular thing that says, okay, we made it this far. We're doing it. We're surviving. Everything is good. And we're like, why are we so sad? Why are we so heavy? Why is this so hard? You know? I know there's a few astrological friends I have out there who probably are listening to this and being like, wow, my friend, let me pull out my chart and show you. Um, But I know for those of you who don't believe in that stuff or don't, you know, subscribe to that way of life, that it's still like, yeah, no, why is this happening? Why are we stuck in Groundhog's Day? And to that, I want to say, this is part of the human experience. This is one of the least comfortable, this is one of the least comfortable times in our lives. And we can either take what's happened over the last two years, digest it, understand it, grieve, cry for ourselves, cry for our family, laugh for ourselves, laugh for our family, reminisce what the pandemic taught you, reminisce about, you know, the joy it did bring, you know, reminisce about the sadness that it brought, reminisce about how you weren't productive, how you didn't, you know, like build your own business or start an Etsy store or how you did and honor yourself in that. Honor yourself in that cycle. We are all grieving at the same time right now and nobody's putting it into words and saying, this is grief, my dudes. This is grief. And it fucking sucks. But guess what? All things come to an end. Nothing is forever. And even if COVID mutates to COVID-22, what would we be at? COVID-48? COVID-52? COVID-1.1011? Like, Regardless of what it turns into, everything has a beginning and an end. Everything has a start and a stop. And eventually, we will not be here anymore. And then 30, 40 years down the road or whatever whatever time that looks like for this to be over, we're going to look back and we're going to be like, holy shit, I lived through that. Holy shit, I went through that experience. I went through sanitizing my hands a hundred times a day. You know, I, I went through wearing a mask everywhere. I went through not wearing a mask everywhere. <laughs> I went through not sanitizing my hands. You know, I went through a wellness journey. I went through an illness journey. 
I went through heartbreak. I went through new romance, new love, new heart, new heart fulfillment. I, <laughs> new hearts, you got a new heart in it. But, you know, we're going to look back on this someday and be like, holy fuck, we did it. How? How do we do it? Or we'll look back on it also and say, I did it, but that person didn't, or that person didn't, or somebody I love didn't. And I want you to take the time that you need to pause and reflect. Pause and give yourself the ability to cry, to laugh, to, to process, to understand. There really is no right way or wrong way of doing any of it. So my friends, this has been a long one and I could talk forever. And I know that I ramble shambles at certain points, but I want to leave you with this. I want to talk about this with you. So tomorrow I'm going to post on my Instagram. Today's Sunday for me, so Monday. I will post on my Instagram. What does grief mean to you? Please feel free to answer. I would love to read some of the responses I get on the next episode. Um, I want you to talk about what you celebrated during the pandemic, what you lost during the pandemic, what you're excited for when the pandemic's finally over, if if it ever ends. But, you know, <laughs> sorry not to be ominous, but, you know, let's take a minute. Tell me your stories. That's what this podcast is all about is your stories. I want to hear them. I want to know what you celebrated, what you lost, how you felt, joy, loss, discomfort, because we're all in it. We're all in it right now. And I think I'd mentioned at the beginning of the podcast is that I myself am am currently in a grief process. You know, I lost somebody that I loved a few months ago. I recently went through some very tumultuous personal life things. And I'm in this cycle of death. I'm in the cycle of letting things go, letting things fall apart, of letting things fall where they may so that I can phoenix the shit out of here. So I can be that phoenix in Harry Potter and take off into the fucking wild. But also so that I can figure out what's next. And in knowing that and in understanding that, grieve what I thought was. So I want to know, what did you think was? What did you think was? (laughs) What did you think would be? Where are you now? Where do you want to be? What does grief look like for you? Story will be posted on my Instagram. I want to hear from all of you. And in saying that, I want to say thank you again. And this has been Aging Ungracefully. <laughs>